Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode, wherever in the world you are listening to us from, whatever platform you guys are listening to us on. I know I say it every episode. I'll continue to say it every episode. Thank you guys so much for the support. Thanks for the kind messages. Thanks for sharing this around and for all the emails that you guys have sent my way. Truly appreciate it and and keep those messages, keep those emails coming. Uh, We're going to go back to a topic I know that we have discussed uh, in, in some capacity in earlier episodes, but we all know how important practice is, how important it is to have the best practices we possibly can, how our time is valuable with our guys and girls, and we want to make the most out of that practice time, especially as we think about being in the middle of the season and we know practice time gets really limited when we got a lot of games going on throughout the course of the week and and so many other things that are happening. So we're going to talk about designing effective practices, kind of what practice planning looks like, what makes a practice an effective one, how we kind of work on planning ahead versus fixing what happened in previous games and and dive into a lot here. And and by the time that we're we're done with this episode, hopefully y'all have some good ideas and some good things to kind of reflect on when it comes to your practices as well. So as you all know, I don't do this alone. I am very happy to be joined uh, by my guest who's out there in Texas at Royal High School. Coach Carp is here with me today. Very happy to have him on. Coach, thanks so much. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Coach. Really appreciate it. I know it's a busy time out there in the, in the basketball world and, and, and with a lot you got going on coaching, so appreciate it in advance. And let's kind of go ahead and get started, Coach, with your journey where's the game of basketball taking you coach where's your coaching journey taking you and kind of what were the steps that got you to where you are right now at Royal uh so I played in high school um I knew I wanted to be a coach uh before I even graduated <laughs> high school uh I graduated from Prairie View A&M University it's an HBCU out here in Texas um from there I started teaching in Houston ISD at a middle school that was my first coaching job um, then I kind of worked my way up to the high school level. Uh, I've coached at every level. I mean, I've coached freshmen, sophomores. I've coached uh, the JV team. Uh, during that during that time period, uh, I got a master's in coaching education from Ohio University. Um, and then just as I've been going through this, I spent five years as a varsity assistant. Uh, most recently at Travis Fort Ben Travis. Um, it was four years there as a varsity assistant before I got the opportunity to become the head coach at uh, Brookshire Royal, where I've been. This has been my second year there. Awesome. And and it sounds like you got a lot of experience at, at, at a lot of different levels um, coaching at. And so I feel like when, when, when you have that experience, that's kind of a really good way to go about it. It's kind of like you really kind of worked your way all the way up to that head coaching positions you kind of got to see what what the game looks like on a coaching level at, at the lower levels and then really just kind of build yourself up and then get yourself ready to do the the varsity thing that you're doing right now yeah it's been a journey and it's been beneficial uh especially for where i'm at i'm at a smaller school district right now okay uh, for a high school 
So um, our, our way our feeder pattern is set up, it's one middle school and they come directly to our high school, We're only one high school in our district. Um, so I get to, you know, work with not only the high school, but the middle school kids. So having the background of working at the middle school level and essentially working at every level on the way up to the varsity level, it's beneficial for me um, just because I have the experiences of working with them. Um, and then as you grow as a coach, you can apply and modify things that you pick up along the way. Um, but just having that experience is very helpful, especially kind of, when you're going dealing with the younger athletes. And that's kind of nice, too. At a smaller school, you you really know directly who it is that's coming to you. It's like a one-to-one transition. Like they come from this middle school, and I know exactly what I'm going to have coming to me at high school sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, like I said, this is just my second year there, so it's good mm -hmm. to – show your face at the middle school game, see what you have in the program, uh, go over there as much as you can to to help coach them up and just show them the types of things that they'll be doing at the high school level. So hopefully by the time that they get to you, they have uh, familiar, familiarity with with what you do within your program. Yeah, they're gonna have that. They're gonna have that exposure and everything, and maybe maybe they'll pick up on some of the some of the terminology or some of the drills or some of the things you do. And I mean, that'd be pretty cool too if if any of those players do, because then that'll show you when they come in, like right, they're freshmen. You're like, oh, this this kid was paying attention. He was paying attention when I was out there working with him, and then that's definitely a good thing. Uh yeah, most definitely. You know, and then it's also good to just help out the middle school coaches, um, and just you know, hey, this is what we do at the high school level. Try mm -hmm. to incorporate of what what we do with them so there is, you know, some basic knowledge when they get to us so we can kind of be a step ahead of the curve. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, all right. As we think about the idea of practice design and, and, and designing effective practices, let's just kind of start with the, the the big question out there, which is for you, what goes into designing a practice for you? So in, in general, what is your process of kind of mapping out a practice, deciding what your team needs to work on and, and what your team needs? What kind of format or process do you kind of go through when it comes to practice design? Yeah, so for us, it depends on the time of year. So in Texas, we're fortunate enough to have an athletic period. So we get to see our athletes for one period a day uh, throughout the school day. Um, and that's every day, like before season, while we're in season, and then, you know, off season, once the season ends. Um, mm -hmm. And so because of that, before we actually get to the season, like when we first get back in school, uh, we divide up the days uh, into different things. So, like, one day will be an offensive day where we work strictly offensive skills, skill development. Another day will be specifically assigned for defensive skills. Uh, and, and then another day will be, like, a weight room day, half weight room, half getting up shots. And then another day will be, uh, like, a competition day where we get up and down the court and just learn how to compete. And so prior to our season starting, that's how our week will normally look. Um, and so on offensive days, you know, we're focusing strictly on offensive skills, uh, footwork, ball handling, um, just how to make reads, things of that nature, uh, just trying to build their skill level on the offensive end. We'll get up and down the court a little bit, but the emphasis will be on the offensive side of stuff. And then that's flipped when we have a defensive day. We're doing defensive drills, you know, a lot of shell uh, to break down the rotations and how we play um, or just – you know, proper closeouts uh, and different types of closeouts that we have, closing out on a shooter, closing out on a driver, just building up the the defensive knowledge for all our players within our system. Uh, the weight room shooting day is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, we'll spend half the time in the weight room 
And then once we're out of the weight room, we'll go to the gym and just get shots up uh, the remainder of the, of the period, different shooting drills. Uh, and we'll do that probably twice a week. And then the last day, typically Friday, is our competition day where we're getting up and down the court competing. But we're not just getting up and down the court. Like, we're looking for the things that we've worked on throughout the week. Like, we want to see what we've worked on offensively. We want to see some of the stuff that we've worked on defensively. So just to get a grasp where they're at, how much they've gained. So when planning for the next week, uh, we can know, okay, we can move on and build on this particular thing or we need to retouch this uh, a little bit more before we move on. Once we get to the season, it's a little bit different, um, obviously, because we're playing games and, mm-hmm. and preparing, preparing for games. <clears throat> so during the season, uh, our athletic period uh, will typically be spent um, either breaking down what we're going to do with, with our next opponent, um, things of that nature, or uh, just reviewing like things that we did wrong from the previous game. And then after school, there's a lot of competition. Again, I, I'm a firm believer uh, in competing and teaching them how to play within the, the competition stuff. Um, just so they learn, you know, how to compete and learn how to, how to win. Uh, it's one thing to be knowledgeable uh, what you want to do within your system. It's another thing to go out there and be able to learn how to compete and learn how to respond to adversity and learn how when things aren't going your way, you still got to fight through it and you still got to keep competing. You know, one stop at a time, one possession at a time is something that, that I tell them constantly. And so to get them to learn that and grasp that so that when you get to a live game, you can reflect back on it when those moments occur and be like, hey, this is what we worked on in practice. You know, just it's nothing different. It's just we're doing it in the context of a game now. So that's what our uh, practice will look like during the season, so to speak. So when you think about like those, the, the, you talk about like your offensive days, your defensive days, though, the weight room, they, the, the things that you like to do before the season starts, was, was that something that you've kind of built on over the years? Was this always a philosophy that you had when you were coaching or working under coaches? How did you kind of develop that, that sort of plan where, where that's what it is that you want to hit before the season starts? Yeah, so I, I've been fortunate enough to work with great coaches, one of them being uh, Coach Bronson at Fort Ben Travis. Uh, he's been the head coach there since the school opened. And, uh, man, all that guy does is win. <laughs> uh, I think, I think <laughs> Good they, person to learn from. <laughs> I, think they've, I think they've been in the playoffs every year since they've opened, which is pretty, pretty nice, uh, considering most teams when they first open kind of struggle. Sure. Right? Um, but it's something that I picked up from him. Again, working from him was a great experience. Um, not just from the aspect of gaining a lot of basketball knowledge. Like, I, I feel like I've met a friend for life, right? Yeah, he's a good dude, a good person to to talk to and feed ideas off of. And uh, to his to his benefit, he gave me, uh, or to his credit, I should say, he gave me a lot of, <clears throat> he gave me a lot of uh, responsibility within the program while I was there. Um, and so that that's one thing that I've learned from him and picked up along the way while I was there. It's like he would plan the offensive days. I would plan the defensive days. Uh, we would spit ideas on what we would do for the competition days. Um, he would let me pretty much run the strength and conditioning program for the program. So just gaining his trust and having a lot of responsibility within the program uh, really benefited me a lot, stepping into one chair over and, and being the head coach. <laughs> Yeah, uh, always great to have somebody who's a mentor there that that really has it together and, and you can take so much from, for sure. 
Um, when you think about like though that stuff before the season, so I'm I'm kind of taking a step backwards now as I kind of think about your your practice planning now. Um, what are the what were the kind of like the expectations for your guys or when you were working as as an assistant? What were kind of the expectation for the guys in terms of what they were working on in the off season and what skill work they should have been working on on their own before they even got to that preseason work? Were a lot of your guys doing like AAU and club ball and 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 still like staying active or? What was kind of the expectation of what they're doing when you're away from them so that they're even ready for the work that you're going to be doing in practice in the in the preseason? Right. Uh, that that is dependent upon the community that you're serving. Um, mm -hmm. Like at Fort Ben Travis, we were fortunate enough to where a lot of our guys played AAU and they were constantly in the gym. <clears throat> and they were constantly, you know, working on their game, their skill development. Some of them had trainers. Uh, and so by the time they come to us, there's a – there's a there's a strong foundation there, right, that we could build upon. Uh, where I'm at currently, um, that's not necessarily the case where everybody plays AAU and everybody has a strong foundation. So you're kind of working from the ground up. Mm -hmm. So the expectation is to, number one, come into the gym when the gym is open so you can, you know, work on skill development. And then something I tell them at the beginning of the year, uh, every year, is like the, the two things you control when you walk in through the door is your effort and your attitude. If you give us your best effort, if you give us your best attitude, you'll become a better basketball player. If we if we have to waste time coaching effort or coaching attitude, it takes away from developing your skill level, uh, developing your knowledge of how to make reads and things of that nature. Uh, so give us your best effort. Give us your best attitude every day you walk through that door so we can be productive when you come in here. And then the next thing is just come in with a lot of energy. Uh, obviously, you don't want to be a – an energy vampire and suck the life yeah. out of the room, but come in with high energy, energy. bus book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come in, come in with high energy, be ready to go. Uh, you know, like one thing we do when we're warming up, uh, when we're like, when we're doing our dynamic stretch, sure. We'll, we'll echo the call. So like the first guy in line, will make the call. Everybody else has to echo the call just so we learn how to communicate and talk. But also as you go through the line and finish your stretch, dap up the guy as you, as you come, dap up everybody in your line, as you come through, and tell them something positive. Hey, let's have a good day. Let's get it. You know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But one, so <clears throat> you're developing communication skills. But two, just to create the the vibe and the atmosphere of having positive energy in the gym. Mm. And so, does as is your practice planning? As I, as I start to think about this now, as you're at this spot where you have guys that. Um, maybe don't play you or don't or don't play as much club and don't have as much gym time as maybe at previous spots. Is that altered or affected a little bit? Kind of what you've done in terms of your preseason practice planning via to kind of tweak things at all? Uh, a little bit. Like we well, we'll spend more times on certain. Like we won't move on as as quickly as we have in the past. We'll spend a lot of time on stuff. Uh, just trying to develop basic skill stuff. You know, like um, stride stop, playing off two feet. Uh, pivot, reverse pivot, simple ball handling, all the basic skill development stuff. We'll spend a lot more time on that before moving on. Uh, and we'll also spend a lot more time shooting. the various shooting drills just to try to make it exciting for them so it doesn't get redundant. But just so we have, can develop a strong base uh, before moving on to the more complex stuff. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, your and 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 so your philosophy, and I and I agree with this because I think that this is something that that's really important is is making sure that you're not 
moving on too fast, right? That, that you're, you're making sure that they, they're seeing success of what they're doing or the skill work that they're doing or, you know, not trying to rush through something and, and have them develop bad habits. It sounds like what's important to you is making sure that, you know, if you have to slow things down a little bit for them to get it right, that, that then, then even if that may take away time from some other things you might want to do, like it's really important that they're getting whatever it is you're working on right before like you, you try to move on to do something else. Yeah, correct. Uh, we, we Like I said, we'll spend, I don't want to say as much time as we need, because, I mean, at some point, we do move on. At some point, but, you do got to keep moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but we do kind of slow things down at a slower pace in the, in the off season to try and develop that. Um, and, and what has helped us, especially where I'm at now, is dividing up the days into, into different specific things we're going to focus on. Like, we're just going to focus on offense, or we're just going to focus on defense. That way, we don't have to rush through and like, oh, we have to hurry up and get to shell because we got to work defensive stuff. It's like, we'll have time on the defensive day to do that. We can spend a little more time, you know, doing single-sided games to help make the right reads or or spend a little bit more time on ball handling or spend a little bit extra time on shooting or just breaking down, you know, what we need to look for in transition or pitching it ahead. Something as simple as pitching it ahead in transition. We can spend a little bit more time trying to build that mindset of, of getting them to look for specific things before moving on. Hmm. So when you think about a good practice and when you think about a, a, an effective practice and, and what has to happen for that practice to be considered good in your book or your definition, what are like your kind of like your non-negotiables? Like for this practice to be good, this has to absolutely happen. I think you mentioned like energy as being being one of them. Yeah, you definitely need to have a lot of energy. And that starts with the coaching staff, right? If right, right, yeah. right. If you're dragging, they're going to see it. It's going to carry over. It might lead to bad practice. So you definitely have to have energy. <clears throat> um, but an effective practice to, to me, or a non-negotiable aside from having the energy, is just working things, working the details that you want to see within your philosophy. Um, so, for example... Uh, defensively for us, you know, I, like I tell them, I don't care how many shots you block throughout the season. What I do care about is you picking up a dumb foul, trying to block a shot. Because one, now they're shooting free throws, and two, you get up too many too early, and now you're going to sit and you're going to be upset. So we work on walling up a lot, uh, walling up on a straight line drive, walling up on a baseline drive. So it's a small detail, right? But if we can see it in the game, it's to our benefit. So an effective practice for me is working little details like that, right? Working how to take a charge, uh, working diving for a loose ball, um, you know, little things like those small details that help you become successful and the stuff you want to see within your program. On the flip side of that, on the offensive side, it's working stuff we want to see on the offensive side. Like every day when we do ball handling, we add a different um, way that we pass it back to our partner. So today we're going to strive stop left, right, pivot this way, give an overhand pop. Next day, we might, you know, stop right, left, pivot the other way, uh, give a one-hand pass or uh, just a regular chest pass. But an effective practice to me is incorporating those small details that you want to see on the court on game day. And then also, for me, it's very important that we compete a lot. Like, I want every, yeah, you drill, that. Yep. I want, I want every drill to be a competition so we're not just going through the mall. We're just trying to go through the motions and make it through the drill. I want us to compete, even in the smallest, simplest thing. Like um, when we do transition cycles, 
it's not just five on zero up and down the court and, you know, make the reads. It's like before every drill, like when we divided the, the team into groups, it's like send me a captain. Give me a captain for the blue team, captain for the white team. And I'll tell them, all right, we're doing transition cycles. First team to 18 wins. Uh, a paint touch three is worth plus one. Uh, a second or third size shot is worth plus two. The same guy can't shoot twice. <clears throat> on the last trip, you're playing five on five um, to make it more game-like, right? So now they have parameters that, one, they have to go back and communicate with their team. So we're working on them developing their communication skills and listening skills with, with one another. Um, also, it gives them a little sense of ownership, right, that they're leading for that particular drill. But now, in addition to working on the transition cycles that, you know, everybody probably does, they have to think a little bit and know, like, okay, I took the last shot, I can't take the next shot. Or if we work to get a paint touch three, we'll get an extra point. And, you know, obviously the first to 18 wins. Um, but just little things like that to make every drill a competition. So, again, to get the competitive juices going, we have a lot of energy and they learn how to win. Uh, that, that That's a big important thing to me. So let me let me uh, ask you about, you know, that 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 uh, competition, right? The the first 18 that you just mentioned, when, when something like that is going on, what, what do you what are you as a as a coach doing? Are, are there things are you just kind of letting it ride and, and seeing what happens and taking notes? Are there things that you'll you'll stop with them? Like what what is kind of your role when when in that particular like drill? What is it that you as a coach, or your coaching staff is looking for doing? Yeah, so uh, I don't really like killing the drill and killing the mm -hmm. flow of practice um, unless it's like something major that I want to harp on and, and emphasize. But otherwise, we'll let, the, we'll let the drill go. And then that particular group, when they get off, either myself or an assistant will pull them to the side, tell them what they need to hear so they have that information so they can make that correction the next time they'll go. Or as the drill is going on, you know, we'll, we'll communicate it to everybody in the gym, you know, what to do, what to look for. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, like killing the flow of practice or or the rep um to kind of kind of emphasize something unless it's just absolute like we have to get this down we've been struggling with this let's blow the whistle kill it and let's talk about it for a second and then get the drill back up again yeah it's 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 one of those things i think for for coaches and 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 me included sometimes that you know we always i, I got to let let things go a little bit and kind of let the players kind of work through things and figure things out and compete. And I'm sure you probably could attest to this. You know, sometimes it's going to get, it's going to get a little messy or going to get a little sloppy. And there's going to probably be times where you really want to say something or really want to, you know, instruct them on something. But I think that you really have to sometimes, or maybe even a lot of time, just kind of let them go and kind of make mistakes and work through it. And just kind of as a coach, by doing that and letting them work through it, I think you can learn a lot about like their thought process and their problem solving skills. And there's a lot that they can gain out of it when you just kind of take that step back. Yeah. I think if you give them the freedom to play a little bit and kind of learn from their mistakes, right. Um, I think it's more beneficial to them. Um, and again, just like something happens, blow the whistle dead, talk about it, start it up again. Maybe two passes later, something happens, blow the whistle, talk about it. To me, I don't – like, that's going to disrupt the flow of practice. They're going to spend more time listening to coaches than actually playing, and I would rather have them playing and learning as they play than just listening to us, to us talk. Um, so that that's why I want to give them the freedom to get up and down, compete, 
and just make corrections on the fly as as it's happening, right? Or as they come off the court and the next group is going, um, and then just use turn use consistent terminology where it doesn't have to be you know a prolonged discussion. You can say something just simple and they, and they know what you're talking about, right? Like low to the ball, right? You weren't you wouldn't jump to the help. You were still hugged up on your man on the weak side. Mm-hmm. Low to the ball. You know, we don't have to break. We don't have to stop it and set it up and show you where you need to be. Hey, low to the ball. You didn't low to the ball that time. And then we can just keep going and move on with practice. So just little details like that to, to keep it going. And I, and I think that's kind of like a good little good little tip too and, and something it sounds like you, you use is just having like those key words or those key phrases that you can just kind of put in there where you don't have to kill a practice dead. You can just say like a, a phrase or you can say even some, for some people just say a word and there's like, Oh, like the, the whole team knows what that mean. And they can do that while they're still doing the drill that they're competing in without you having to like blow the whistle and do the explanation. You can just say a word or two and they know exactly like what it is you're trying to have them do or correct. Right. Like one of the things we'll say is like blow by, right? Like you got blown by right there. So we don't have to stop and set it up and say, hey, you closed out and he drove right by you. And now we're in a bad situation, kind of playing five on four. And, and now we got to rotate earlier. And now every, he has to rotate so that this guy has to rotate. Just something simple as, hey, blow by. You got blown by right there. You got to guard your yard and, and, and keep the ball contained. And then we can, you know, keep moving, keep going. Plus the other thing too, just to kind of add back to like your point that that you brought earlier, I I, I think that, what I found when I really uh, start to uh, blow the whistle, if I'm, if I'm letting them compete and I keep blowing the whistle and keep correcting them, I, I think whether they're they're the players or coaches are aware of it or not, like it's hard to compete to your hardest ability when you're just waiting for that whistle. And you know that whistle is going to come after, you know, 20 seconds or 30 seconds. I think one, it's just so hard to get into a flow of things. And two, it's like, those players just know like they're really not really getting to play because they just, they're just waiting whether they know it or not. They're just waiting for that whistle to blow because they know it's coming soon. Right. You're right. And it also, another aspect of that is just, uh, you know, it, their focus, like sure. Everybody now is like on social media, their attention span is shorter, right. To, to stop constantly, stop and talk, stop and talk, stop and talk. Like at some point you're going to lose their focus and they're going to check out. But if they're playing and they're getting up and down the court, they're going to be more engaged, right? The more more willing to to listen and learn, especially if you're having the simple phrases that you're using to correct them, right? And it does it doesn't kill the flow that they don't check out of the practice. It keeps it a little bit more engaged. Um, so you got to be mindful of not constantly stopping it, and they're just standing around, and two, not losing their focus when when you're mm-hmm. in practice. And also just as kind of one more bow on that thought that I just thought of is typically when we do that, we stop it. I would say probably 95 to hundred percent of the time it's for something negative, which also I don't think necessarily builds the type of chemistry or practice planning that we want when that whistles always going to be up. Oh, somebody did something wrong or you're going to chewing somebody out. Like at the very least, if, if, if we're going to be blowing our whistle that much, which again, we probably shouldn't be, we should probably incorporate some blowing the whistle for some positive and some good things as well. So that whistle always isn't associated with a negative. Yeah, no, no doubt. You got to highlight positive stuff that happened within the practice. Uh, yeah, with 
interesting is the more you highlight the positive stuff, the more likely they are to actually do it. Like, they, you know, they want to, to be praised. They want to earn the minutes on game day. So if, if you point that out in practice, hey, that was a good – you see how he pitched it ahead right there? That's mm-hmm. what we want, right? Or that was a good – that was a good strike stop hitting the crack back for an open look. Or that was a good paint touch, paint touch three, driving and getting off of it when the defense committed. If mm-hmm. you talk to them in those regards, they're probably going to be more inclined to to do it, right? Or or hear you as opposed to hear what you're saying, not how you're saying it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, no, 100%. So yeah, I know you touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to to really reemphasize with the the other part of that question. Are, are there certain types of drills that that you feel like you always kind of come to? I know you talked about doing really liking to do shell, especially in, in the preseason. But in general, are there certain drills or things that that you really always like to come back to, or almost like constants, or or things that you 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 always type tend to find yourself uh, running during your practices? Yeah, so we'll do X closeouts a lot. Uh, so it would be like three on three, three guys on the baseline, three guys lined up across, free throw line extended. Um, and the guys on the baseline will have to pass it down the line. And as they pass it, they're closing out to the guy opposite of them. So you're having a long closeout, right? And then when the ball on the offensive side makes it back to, to the last guy, it, it's live. And now we're essentially live three on three. So we'll do X closeouts a lot, working on our closeouts. Um, but not it's not just a, a closeout drill. Like mm-hmm. we want you to sprint to your guy, sprint to the closeout, have a high hand. But then within that, you can give them parameters like, okay, on a shooter, we're doing a, a Curry closeout, be in the shot pocket, high hand. On a non-shooter, we're doing a Rondo closeout, stop short, still have a high hand, but you don't got to be all up on them because we don't want to get blown by. Uh, on, an, on an elite player, somebody will designate as a Kobe. You got to be where he's a threat with the ball anywhere he catches it. Or, you know, he can do a little bit of both. Um, so you can work on the type of closeout that you're giving, but you can also work you know, jump into the ball when the ball is moved. Like if I'm closing out to the far guy and he's the first guy that catches it, as soon as he gets off of it, I got to jump to the ball and, and and get in help, be ready to help, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the ball becomes live, I'm not hugged up on my man on the weak side. So there's a lot of things you can gain out of it. But we'll do that a lot. Um, there's also, yeah, at times, we've done kill, uh, something we call kill drill. So I, I like to jar- chart how many kills we get a game. Yeah, yeah, uh, I like that. Yep, go ahead. So three stops in a row is, is a kill. Uh, so when we do kill drill, it, there's various ways we can do it. Like, okay, for five minutes, you're on defense. We got to guard however many minutes. You got to get as many kills as you can. Um, or, you know, if, like, we're working it, this is one of the times we will blow the whistle a lot. Every time there's a mistake, we'll blow the whistle. We'll reset. Um, so, like, we'll start the drill with, like, a minute on the clock start the clock as as the possession starts if you get a stop the clock stays where it's at if any mistake we're resetting back to a minute you may get like three resets after the third reset you lost you gotta you know whatever your consequence is for losing um but it's good to work that so in the game right if, if you're if you're having a bad stretch and you need some stop you're like hey kill drill right here we gotta have three stops and let's get three stops in a row change the momentum Right. And then it's something that you talk about quick that they know and can relate to back from when you worked it at practice. But it's something as simple as saying, hey, kill drill right here. Let's lock in, get three stops in a row right here. Yeah, um, but it's, it's good mentality, too, to just to always be in and, and, and have that defensive mindset, too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, 
we'll also do like stop, stop, score, stop, right? Uh, the only way you can gain a point is if you get a stop and then score and then yeah, another yeah, yeah. Decoratively, yeah. Um, so again, if in the game, the flow of the game, an actual game, you can say, hey, stop, score, stop here, right? That, we, we need that right now. Um, but it's just little drills like that that we can do every day that once we're in an actual game, if, if needed to, we can relate back to it and they know what you're talking about. So if you have a 30-second timeout, you don't got to spend a 30-second timeout trying to explain your point. Hey, stop, score, stop right here. They know what you're talking about, and then this is the adjustment we're going to make. So the majority of your time is spent on the actual adjustment and not trying to explain what's needed. And, and the cool thing I think about, you know, working through drills like that and doing drills like that is when you actually do like – um, you know, you know, you do a kill uh, in a game or a stop, score, stop. Like the players, they they recognize how big that is, and they know how huge of a momentum shifter that is to get those in the game. And I think that what that helps, and I'll let you speak to it, is I think they can really directly see how that drill, what that actually means when it plays itself out on the court. Yeah, I mean, because uh, they, I mean, they see it in practice, so we're doing it in practice. All right, we're emphasizing the defensive side of the ball, getting stops. To win the drill, you got to have the most kills. And so it translates to a game when, again, if we're having a bad stretch, the other team's on a run, hey, kill drill right here. Let's get three stops in a row, change the momentum here a little bit, get things going to our side. And they can recognize that, right? And then they uh, sometimes there'll be guys on the bench, you know, that'll just start out, hey, kill drill right here or whatever, something as simple as that just to encourage the five guys that are on the court that, Hey, you know, let, let's, let, let's, let's, let's get after it right here, get three stops in a row, kind of change momentum in our favor. And the cool thing too, about that, as, as I just kind of keep, keep, keep thinking about that, which I think is pretty great is like you run, like if you say kill drill, that's something that they've already probably definitely like seen success in, in practice. So you're asking them, in a game, if you call that out or say, hey, we're going to do, you know, kill drill right here. It's like, oh, like that that's that thing I did in practice that I know how to do because I've done it before and we've succeeded at it. And it's a lot of a confidence boost, I think. I think it'd be just almost like, oh, like I just got to do this thing that we've already done successfully in practice before. Like, oh, I've done that before. We can definitely do that here. And I think that that could really help. I'm just thinking like mentally kind of get your team refocused and back on track. Right, cause, yeah, because there's familiarity with it, right? Mm -hmm. They've done it, they succeeded in it, so they have confidence when they step on the court on game day to actually do it. Um, but it's, it's even with small drills, like uh, I told you we work on walling up a lot. Or, yep. So if, when we go defensive stations, I got me and two assistants, so it'll be probably three different stations. One coach is doing wall up, another coach is working on charges, another coach is working on boxing out. So in a game, I get the other team has a fast break in transition, You'll hear guys on the bench yell, wall up, wall up, right? Just because they know that's what we're looking for. That's what we want to see, right? And encourage the guy, who, the one defender who's back to actually wall up and not commit a turnover and just contest the shot in a good way. And that goes back to, you know, what we were talking about with like your terminology and everything. You can just use that term and you can you call, yell that out during a game. And that, that's, that's an easy correction you have to make and doesn't require a lot of words from you or your bench to say. Right, correct. It's just again, they 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 know it. They've seen it. They've had success with it. Now they can go out and do it confidently on game day, which is what it's all about, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. What is the what is your balance in the middle of a season when you're in your practices where you are working on 
scouting or things that are going to be happening in upcoming games versus the corrections from mistakes that happened in previous games? What's kind of the, that balance of, you know, looking towards the future and what we need to do versus like, this is, we got to fix this and, and what we did in the past. Right. You got to kind of read the room and read your guys. Uh, right. So for me, I like to work on what we're going to see next in practice and the way we can correct what we need to correct. And it, while doing it simultaneously is like in the competition drills, give them parameters within the competition that will focus on what we need to be correct and right. So if uh, let's say we didn't rebound well the previous game, right? One of the stations and there in our stations will be, will be boxing out and rebounding. But when we get up and down for the live competition stuff, all right, right here, an offensive rebound is worth plus one, right? So if you're, if the other team gets an offensive rebound, they automatically get a point. So that's helping them win the drill. So you know you have to emphasize boxing out and, and getting the rebound, right? And we can focus on something that we need to work on while also working what we need to for the next game. Um, or, you know, of the previous game, we were taking a lot of bad shots, too many early shots, uh, and not moving the ball well. You know, you can give them that parameter within the competition. Uh, all right, here, a uh, uh, second side or third side shot is worth plus two, right, or plus three. Um, or if you don't want to uh, jack up a quick three, like a paint touch three here is worth plus two. But giving them those parameters within the competition so they can focus on, like, what we need to correct, but while also doing the things that we need to to prepare for the next game. It's, I, th I think one of the benefits probably to that, as I was kind of like thinking about your answer too, is, is it's, it's kind of like you said, right. Reading the room. And I, and I know that I've coached teams before that if I were to focus on, you know, what happened in the past and focused on things that we need to fix or things to work on. I, I don't know if, if if some of the teams I've coached in the past would 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 take that well or have that mindset where where they may have taken a better mindset to, hey, let's focus on on the future. This is what we got to work on, and let, let's focus on what needs to be done in the future rather than kind of reliving or, or going back to some things in the past. But then at, at the same time, I've had some some teams that have really wanted to be like, hey, like we know we really need to work on this. We made a lot of mistakes on this. Let let's get better at this right now. And and uh you know, that that's what we need to do. And so I think kind of knowing where your guys are at or what they need to do, I think is, is, is really important because some of them just, just kind of need to be in that next play mentality and really need to focus on what they got to get better on or what they need to work on for, for future things. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to kill the vibe and just be negative, negative, negative <clears throat> all sure. the time. Like, it's something that, you know, uh, we definitely have to get this down. Okay. We'll spend time working it, correcting it. Right. But if, if it's, if it's something that we can correct while competing and doing other stuff, then that's the route that we'll take. And sometimes it's just as simple as showing them on film, right? Like if if we're focusing on guarding our yard and not getting blown by with, with bad closeouts, if, when we're in film, if, if that's what we're focusing on, it could be as simple as, hey, this is a bad closeout right here. Right? Mm -hmm. the, the effort was lacking on the closeout, but more importantly, you got blown by and then now – he, our, the next guy had to come and rotate and we were late on the rotation on the weak side. But all that starts with you and your bad closeout. If we correct the bad closeout and don't get blown by, the domino effect doesn't happen, so to speak, right? So then you've talked about it, they've seen it, 
and you spend practice time, you know, focusing on other stuff, getting up and down the court. Yeah, and and, and then just just to kind of add to that, if you got players who can who, who who respond well to that, then when when you see them succeed and actually do those things in practice, you know, call that out and let them know, like, hey, that that's that's what we need you to do, or you know, that way way to way to listen and way to improve on that, and you know, let them know what needs to be fixed, and then if they do fix it, if they do work on it, take that time in practice to you know recognize them and call them out for it, and let them know that that they they did what you know, you asked them to do or, or, or worked on that. And I think that that could have a big effect on your players. Yeah. Again, it's a reading the room, right? Like some players will respond to the praise that you give them. Hey, that was a great closeout right there. Right. But, you know, X, Y, Z, but you started with, Hey, that was a great closeout right there. Mm -hmm. Right. So now, now they're happy. They got that praise. Uh, other guys will respond to not, not the criticism, but, but, you know, correcting them constantly. You know, so it's kind of reading, reading the room, reading the player. What do they respond well to in how you give your response to them uh, to, to make the, those those corrections? It's funny. I can think of some players now that I've, I've had in the past who are just like, coach, don't let up on me. Coach, you got always be on me, always be on me, stuff like that. And I was like. I, I, you know, I, I, I will, but I'm going to compliment you sometimes too. Like I can't always just be harping on you, but you're right. Some players, man, they, they don't, they, they, they want to hear it honestly and, and they don't want you to hold back on them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's, it's, that's, that's part of the, the job, right? Like you got to be able to, to cater to, to who you have on your team and, and give them what works best. Like, uh, you don't want, uh, you don't want a kid tuning you out and, and checking out on you and they don't hear anything you say because then they're not getting any better. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just to sit there and constantly yell or, or be negative or point out the mistakes. You know, you got you to gotta have a mixed balance of calling out the mistake and correcting it. And you don't necessarily have to call out a mistake that somebody made, but you can praise what somebody else did and indirectly you know, get their attention with, oh, this is what I should be doing. He's, he's praising that and I didn't do that, I should probably do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. When you, when you're also thinking about practice, I know a lot of coaches have different philosophies on this. So I'm curious about what, what you, what you think goes into, in, into this. Uh, some coaches are big on the, um, you know, kind of running like the scout running like, Hey, we got an opponent that, you know, they run a one for one or, you know, this is their horn set. Let, let's walk through it or run through it. So you know what to expect. There's other coaches or the philosophy. Like we just got to focus on what we need to do and, and we'll be fine. We don't got to worry about simulating what they do. Like what, what is, where do you kind of fall in, in, in that sort of uh, debate that I feel like a lot of coaches have? Uh, we mainly focus on what we need to focus on. Mm -hmm. Stuff that we got to work, stuff that we got to get better at. Uh, stuff that we want to see on game day. Um, every every now and then, you know, it's like, okay, this team does a 1-3-1. One, one. We haven't seen a 1-3-1 one, one all year. Uh, we'll get the JV guys to to run scout and, and just give us a look at a 1-3-1 one, one just so it's just so we're familiar with it by the time game day comes and it's not nothing, you know, out of the blue that we haven't seen before. But by and large, for the most part, we spend time working on what we need to work uh, minus situations like, like that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting, I always think it's kind of an interesting debate. I think like, kind of, like you said, sometimes maybe uh, earlier you mentioned it kind of depends on your guys. And I think that, you know, I'm just thinking about teams that I've had in the past who, if they, if I, if I give them too much or talk too much about what the other team does, 
they stop thinking about what they need to do and they start to overthink and start to try and like think too much about what the other team's doing. And I think that that sometimes can be like even more detrimental because they're getting out of their game or their headspace and they're trying to think about, you know, stuff that, that maybe is going to take away from them actually just going out and playing their game. Yeah, you don't want them to overthink stuff and thinking more than they're playing, right? But again, it's reading the room and knowing the type of players that you have and, and what they're capable of. Uh, there's been years past where uh, we've been, I've been a part of teams where you could do that with them. And then there's been different years where you couldn't, you had to just keep it focused on, you know, this is what we need to do. So again, it's reading, mm-hmm. reading your players, knowing what works well for them to put them in the best position to be successful. Yeah. And I think just to kind of add to that, I think some of the teams that I have seen who have done um, really well and have and have been able to kind of do that more scout scout things that you that, that we talked about and that you mentioned, or maybe, maybe those players or maybe those teams that got a really high basketball IQ and they can kind of pick up on stuff right away and they can kind of take a look and see, oh, you know, here's that one three one. And then they can just kind of see what the options are and they can kind of get it and then they can just sort of move on rather than, you know, maybe necessarily a situation where you got to like spend a lot of time explaining what it, you know what it is and what the purpose of what they're trying to do is like I said I, I think for those teams maybe that have a really high basketball knowledge and, can, and once they see it they can pick up on it and then just sort of move on uh you know again depending on your players maybe, maybe that maybe those high basketball IQ teams might be ones that can really get a lot more out of uh, of a scout situation maybe than maybe than some ones that don't understand the game as well yeah, definitely. But uh, you know, like again, my whole thing is focusing on what mm-hmm. what we need to do. Right. I don't want to spend a lot of time focusing on what they need to do. I want to spend a lot of time focusing on what we need to do. Because if we play the way we're capable of playing and execute our, our plan, right, we should should put ourselves in a position to get the result that we want. Yeah. Not as as opposed to we need to be worried about this. So we need to do this and plan and yeah, watch okay. how they do this you know i'd rather focus on us yeah, it's, it's a little more reactive when you're trying to focus on what everyone's doing you're reacting to what they're doing versus like being proactive and working on the stuff you got to do right so on that on that note then when you think about what what, uh, what you like to run on the offensive and defensive side when you think of like your practice and then the way you practice your planning your practices how much time or do you do you find yourself maybe devoting to working on uh, your offensive action or your defensive action or the presses that you, that you, that you like to run. Um, are, are, is there time that you're, you're spending in the season kind of refining and, and tweaking things or um, well, what's kind of the breakdown with that? Yeah, we work that daily, but it, it's, you know, we'll go five on zero here and there, but a lot of times, again, it's being five on five. Yeah, I know you're big five. on the competition aspect, yep. yeah. Yeah, so, like, one segment will go, like, possessions versus man defense. So, everybody's in man defense. We're running our offensive stuff. Uh, we're staying in the half court because we got to be able to execute the end of games, right? You let them play the possession, correct stuff when you need to run the next possession for however many minutes that you're doing it. Uh, then there'll be another segment. All right, now we got possessions versus zone. We're running our zone stuff. Uh, same thing, let the possession play out correct as you need to be. Show them something quickly, right, so we keep the flow going. Um, but that's how we'll work our stuff. And then once we've worked the half-court stuff, then we'll get up and down full court, 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, again, working on the stuff that we want to run and execute. Um, but very rarely is it just all out 
five on zero. A lot of times he's doing it five on five and then correcting stuff as it happens. Um, early on, we'll, you know, blow it dead a lot more to, to kind of teach him, uh, so to speak. But as the season progresses, you can do that less and just, again, go back to your one or two words that you need to, to – that they'll get. And, you know, okay, I got to do that. Um, but when we do work our stuff, that's essentially how we do it. Now, if we know we're playing a team that's not going to play any man defense, they're going to just sit in the 2-3 all game. Then we'll spend a lot of time, you know, working our zone offense on going five on five stuff. Uh, if we see it, no, a team is going to press us, and that's probably what they're going to do the entire game. We'll be more heavily working on our press break, uh, the, the practices leading up to that. Um, but outside of that, you know, we'll spend a little bit of time each day working on a little bit of everything. And for your for your players then i mean they they know and i that it, it sounds like they know when they go into practice like they they they're going to they got to get after it and they they got to they got to compete every every time that they're 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 in practice um so just like the the culture of of, of that competition like are has it always been wherever you've been and and where you're at right now where your guys are 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 getting up to it every day in practice and, and working hard to compete and and they're they're giving it their all is that something that needs to be kind of like um taught culture wise about what it means to you know get after it and compete in practice or have you found that like just just putting that in place and your guys have just kind of stepped up to it and they're always kind of ready to go and compete in a practice situation uh, no, it's definitely a learned skill. <laughs> uh, I've been places where it was a lot of breakdown, a lot of blowing the whistle, talking things out, things of that nature. Um, and then, you know, I've been places where it was a lot of competition, some places where it's a mixture of stuff. But it's definitely a skill that needs to be learned, uh, which is why we do it a lot, right? At the end of the day, if, if you can't compete on game day, you don't know how to respond to adversity, you're going to struggle to get the result that you want. Um, and, you know, basketball is a game of runs. Nobody ever has a perfect game. At some point, you're going to face some adversity, right? You have to be able to respond to that, keep pushing, and figure out how to get yourself back in the game and get the result that you want. So it's a trait that has to be taught and a skill that has to be learned. And in order to do that, they got to actually compete at practice, which is why I'm so heavy on the competition side of stuff at practice uh, because, again, it has to be learned, right? Uh, you can't just tell them, hey, go hard. You got to go harder or something like that. It, it has to be within the context of basketball and them actually doing it so they can see why this amount of effort is needed to execute this particular thing or why it's important to not just box out when somebody yells it, right, to do it every single possession and go get a rebound or why it's important to not be late on a rotate takes effort to not be late on the rotation right and then recover back to your guy um so it's something that has to be learned early on especially with the incoming freshmen it's a struggle right because they're not used to it they they haven't been exposed to it mm -hmm. uh, but as you the season goes on as you progress and then as you know they get into their sophomore junior years it, it just becomes natural for them um so that by the time the season rolls along and you have your upperclassmen who get it and they've adapted to it, then they don't have a as much of a problem with it, so to speak. And they know, you know, we're gonna compete, we gotta get after it. Uh and then they'll they'll know if 
you know, their energy is down or they're having a bad day, they're not bringing it. And somebody will somebody will yell out focus, or somebody will yell out lock in, you know, or somebody do something as simple as that to get the energy back up in the room. And plus, you know, nobody likes losing. Right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you like, if you've lost two drills in a row, like we're not switching teams. That's your team for the day. Now we'll switch teams every day so you compete with with everybody on the team. But whatever your team is that day, that's your team. And if you've lost like three drills in a row, you're probably going to compete a little bit harder on that fourth drill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to be hearing about it from your teammates about how you went over everything on those drills, right? <laughs> right, Nobody right. likes to hear that. Yeah, how do you uh, – bragging, bragging rights within the locker room, right? Like, oh, we got y'all today. Y'all didn't even win any drills. Like, it's a, it's a competition thing. It's a pride thing, right? And plus, you, you know, in all likelihood, that's your friend you're competing against. You want bragging rights against your friend, right? <laughs> Yeah, 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 of course. And then, you know, you, you brag about him and, 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 you know, kind of tease him for whatever. And then they're, then, you know, they might be your teammate the next day. And then you get to go out and compete with him the next day. Right. So with a season being, you know, long and it, it, it's a bit of a grind. And, and, and I know that some coaches are, you know, get a little, little concerned a little bit about, you know, wear and tear and about, you know, trying to, you know, read the room and make sure that our guys aren't, you know, uh burned out you know physically or mentally or emotionally dur during practices is, is is that something that that comes into mind or that you consider as the season's going on about you know where your guys are at physically and mentally do, do you kind of stick to a practice plan or are there think times when you might you know make some changes or or change things up a little bit if you're kind of in a long stretch uh no you definitely have to consider that right and so what we do as we progress throughout the season we'll kind of taper back practice a little bit we might not go the whole two hours we may go an hour and a half uh some days uh we may spend a little bit more time in film than on the court some days you know we may have shooting competitions as opposed to getting up and down five on five right so it's still a competitiveness to it but we're working on getting shots up um but it's definitely something that you have to consider um because you don't want them you know tired out on game day obviously but more importantly as you get later into the season, you want to be health as wealth. You want them to be yeah. as healthy as possible uh, and be able to compete at the highest level they're capable of competing of. So you definitely have to consider, you know, who's banged up, who, you know, read the temperature of the room and see what, what might be needed for that particular day. Yeah, I think that you, as as a coach, sometimes you, you got you to gotta make sure that, that your players – are are physically and mentally like you said like kind of ready to go and and everything's all, all all good on their end because you know if you try to force that practice on them and they're physically beat up or they're they're just mentally not there it's probably not going to be that good of a practice teammates are going to get frustrated you're going to get frustrated and and you're probably in a situation where you you probably were better off just tweaking it or doing something else yeah and you don't want to beat a dead horse right like you don't want to harp on the same thing over and over and, and just kill the vibe or or be negative to, to that effect, right? So you got to read the room, read the temperature. Because at the end of the day, the most important goal is to stack days, right? Win the day, have a good day, come back the next day, have another good day. And realistically, you're not going to win every day. There's going to be bad practices here and there, right? Yep. But again, to work your way through that and try and stack days and try and teach them how to do that. You know, so that way, come game day, we're competing at our highest level, ready to compete. Mm -hmm. 
And then my last question before we hit our concluding segment is when you think about like your your team's like 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 culture and and the, the culture of your program that you try to that you try to build. I guess my question is what, what how would you kind of describe the culture that you've been trying to build at Royal and then what what is that culture or how is that culture kind of shown in the practices that that your guys are in? Yeah, so you know, coming in and being, you know, a new coach last year the whole year is just trying to lay a foundation for what you want the program to be right. And then now this year we can build upon that. We're still not where I would like to be, but you know, we're getting, we've made steps to get there. Um, and it's just little things like, you know, one day we'll talk about accountability, right? You're accountable to yourself. You're accountable to your teammates. You're accountable to this program. Right. And in order for them to practice accountability, we'll do, something called do you want to give credit or do you want to take blame you can give credit to a teammate for something that they did or you can take blame for something that you didn't do now, early on it's like picking teeth right they they <laughs> kind of they're kind of struggling to say anything or, or or do it but as the year progresses and especially as you get into year two with them then it becomes a conversation right and then teammates can actually you know, have meaningful conversations about accountability, what they did or did not do. Um, and, you know, the other thing, we talk about servanthood a lot. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, one thing I tell them all the time, I don't know when your basketball career is going to end. It could be at 18, it could be at 24, it could be at 30-something. Whenever your career ends, you're going to be uh, a man a lot longer than you are a basketball player, right? One day you're going to be somebody's husband, you're going to be somebody's father. And those are probably those are the two most important jobs you'll ever have. And if you want to be a good husband and you want to be a good father at that point, it's all about servanthood because you're probably not going to get a lot of stuff that you want. You get the big piece of chicken at dinner. Right. But if you want to be a good father, a good husband, you're going to make sure your wife and your kids or your significant other and your kids are taken care of. Right. So we talk about servanthood. We talk about practicing servanthood. Like, hey, go out today and do something nice for somebody without them asking you to do it, right? Like if you don't have chores at home, take the trash out, right? Or wash the dishes for your mom or, or you know, do something nice for somebody without expecting anything in return. Um, and, you know, we talk about brotherhood, having it be a brotherhood and, and like a family, having each other's back on and off the court. Uh, you know, just talking about different principles daily and then getting them to, to apply it so it can translate to what you see on game day, right? Like one thing I tell them, one thing I tell them a lot is, uh, you know, we got to get to a point where we're not just playing with each other, we're playing for each other. Coach Bronson used to say that a lot yeah, at like Travis. That, yeah. It's something that, that I, I liked a lot and really used. It's like, we got a chance to be special if we can get to a point where we're playing for each other and not with each other. Playing with each other, you're out here, you're hooping, Right, and we, we things might go our way, right? But if we're playing for each other, you don't want to let the next man down. Right? You don't want to be late on that rotation. You don't want to commit that dumb foul. You know, you don't want to do something ignorant in the hallways that might jeopardize your playing time. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, you, you're playing for each other. You want to do something because you don't want to hurt the next guy next to you. And if we can get to that point, then we got a chance to be something special. So it's just establishing the the type of things that you want to see within them, not just as a basketball player, but as a young man, right? 
Because at some point, they're going to leave us and they're going to go out into the real world. And if the only thing that we've taught them is the game of basketball, then we've done a disservice to them and we've done a disservice to their families. As much time as we spend with them, there has to be something significant and meaningful that they take with them once they walk out those doors and go venture off into whatever it is they want to do with their life, right? Yeah. More importantly, if you're able to accomplish that and you're able to do that, right? Those are the those those are the programs that have kids come back after they've left and come back to the high school games and watch who's ever currently is in the program. And then you really have like the brotherhood and the family environment. You built something there. Yeah, you you've built something meaningful that that'll last uh, a long time. Yeah, that that's great. Coach, to wrap up, there's a couple questions I ask every guest. I'll go ahead and start here with this first one, which is thinking back on your coaching career, and I know you've had a lot of stops along the way, but thinking back on your coaching career, what is a moment from your coaching career uh, that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Uh, I mean, X's and O's wise, I would say, like, if you've been playing primarily one defense and the other guy calls a timeout, to draw something up, make an adjustment for one possession or something else, right? Obviously, he's drawing something up for the way you've been guarding him. So maybe, you know, throw him off by changing it up a bit. Uh, but non-X's and O's wise, uh, you know, I was an assistant for a very long time. <laughs> so for anybody out there who has aspirations of being a head coach uh, and is maybe hasn't been successful finding that spot, man, just keep pushing right? Keep doing the best job you're capable of doing where you're at because eventually the right door is going to open. Like, like sometimes a no is a good thing, right? Like, like I've interviewed for jobs before I got this one and I'd always get a call and, oh, coach, you did a great job in the interview. We think highly of you, but, you know, it was always a but. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously, you're going to be disappointed that you didn't get the job and the opportunity, right? But eventually you'll end up where you're supposed to be. So don't get discouraged. Keep pushing. Keep doing the best that you're capable of doing where you're at and be an asset to the program where you're at. Because people are going to recognize that. And people are going to see the value in the things that you do, right? And so eventually that opportunity is going to come. And when it does come, then you can go out and, and run the program, you know, at, as you would like a program to be run, which if I'm being honest, if, if you're the type of assistant that's giving it your all and not just learning from your head coach, but, you know, giving ideas and, and feedback and, and, and just putting everything into it, when you do get that opportunity, you're probably going to be doing a lot of stuff similar, right? Yeah. Like, like if you're a part of a good program, you've learned a lot, you're probably not going to change what was successful you're probably going to use some of that just modify it and adapt it keep doing what works <laughs> yeah you're just going to modify it and adapt it to fit your personality so just for anybody out there who's looking for that opportunity you know don't get discouraged by a no keep pushing keep staying positive uh and, and just keep being an asset to the program that you're at currently love it to wrrap up coach I give every guest what I call a 60 second soapbox kind of your platform to get out your final thought a final message a closing idea something that you want to leave the listeners with and if you go over 60 seconds that's okay too I'm not going to time you so I'm just going to kind of give you the flow floor coach and I'm just going to kind of let you take it here and and uh wrap us up with kind of your final thought and final message uh I, I mean I just touched on it recently right I, I think we have to be more than basketball coaches we have mm -hmm. to teach them about life within the context of basketball, 
right? They might not get it while they're there with you, but maybe two, five, ten years down the road, oh, man, you know, Coach was right. right? Coach, everything Coach said now makes sense, right? The, the goal should be not to just win games. Obviously, everybody wants to win games. We got to be successful to keep our job. But you got to teach them to be successful, not only on the basketball court, but you got to teach them to be successful in the classroom. You got to teach them to be successful in life. I think those things that they can take with them to help them in adulthood is the reason that, you know, we do this outside of the, you know, the wins and losses. And if you can do that and be great at both, you, you got a shot at being something special. Absolutely, Coach. Really, really love that. and 100% agree. And I want to thank you, Coach Carr, for coming on, talking about practices, talking about a little bit of culture there at the end and the things you guys got going on. Uh, I, I can tell you got some really cool things happening, and it sounds like your guys are, are competing, they're working hard, and the results are definitely speaking for itself. So appreciate it, Coach, and best of luck on, along the way and for the rest of the season and in the future. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you all for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast, and we will see you guys. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.